One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Good morning, good afternoon, and or good evening. My name is Louis Strong, and welcome to Headstrong. Now, this is a podcast, this series, where I sit down with a number of cricketers, and I am talking to them about their lives and their careers, but notably their vulnerabilities, to learn and understand what the word headstrong means to them. This series is coined and innings with. And as I mentioned, I am exclusively talking to cricketers only. In that regard, we are supporting the wonderful charity, the Ruth Strauss Foundation, which is a firm foot in the cricketing world. To donate £10 to the Ruth Strauss Foundation, text 70191, writing RSF10. This series is also sponsored by McGill and Partners and Ascot Group. Thank you for your continued support. Now on this episode of Headstrong, I am joined by one of England's most prominent talents, Ollie Pope. We sat down a couple of months ago to have a chat about his time last year in England Bubbles and how his experience in the England setup has been to date. He is still a very young man and has the world at his feet, in particular the England camp. We talked about how Ollie got into cricket and indeed where he has struggled and how he can focus his own mindset to really get the best out of himself. So I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Ollie, thank you very much for taking the time to have a chat with me today on Headstrong. It's great to to get you uh, on, on on the series. No worries. Good to good to be here. Thanks for having me. I've got to say, uh, I'm talking to you now whilst you're out in Sri Lanka. You're sat there in quarantine, probably sick of the hotel room that you're in. And it's been an interesting year, no doubt, to look back on. But uh, there's a test squad out there in Sri Lanka. It's been announced and there's 
apart from yourself, some key individuals that are missing, including the likes of some staples now in the test team, Ben Stokes, uh, notably, and Jofra. What is it like having some of those key components uh, missing from such a, like a key squad? Uh, it's obviously we're at a disadvantage because not only are they obviously ridiculous cricketers, they're also they're also big influences in the changing room. Whether that be Stokesy being a real leader in the way he sort of trains, the way he fields, and just being a leader in the group, or just Joffrey's sort of aura that he's got, or his just the fact that he can bowl about 95 miles an hour is obviously we'll miss that as well. But at the same time, we, we played without them both at times in the summer, and we were successful in the summer without them too. Um, obviously, probably would have been more successful with them, I'm sure. But um, we've got we've got other great leaders within that group. Obviously, Joe Root, the captain, and guys like Joss Butler who who step up and and sort of especially if someone like Stokesy isn't there, someone like Joss will probably, they'll probably be a bit more on his shoulders in terms of the leadership point of view. But there's still definitely enough leaders here to to sort of provide that correct environment that we're looking for. Your uh, slightly, slight disadvantage being injured, so that's obviously a bit more challenging. But these, the the two players that I mentioned previously, they've kind of been left out by by the management, so to speak, probably for, for resting, I would imagine. Uh, and it's key fundamentally, especially after the summer that we've had, to take a break from the game and kind of recharge those batteries because it's been cricket-orientated, living and breathing cricket. And that must yeah, be absolutely. It must be key for these players. Yeah, absolutely. I think those guys, they went, obviously, to the IPL. Um, they, when you're playing all three formats for England, there's obviously it's obviously going to take its toll on you. And I think the bubbles that we're in at the moment do sort of make everything that a bit more intense. And um, I think having these little breaks away from the game, obviously it's not ideal. We want them playing the whole time, but having these breaks are really important just to get that hunger back. I've I've obviously now had a few, um, unfortunately because of my shoulder um, and obviously COVID as well at the start of the year. But I also, I find those, when you do get a sort of month or so off, even when even when the other guys are playing you realize how much you enjoy the game and you get you probably you can train obviously you're not training physically but you can train sort of your mind a little bit and and learn a few things about yourself and know what's going to make you successful going forward so you can use these periods of rest to to a good advantage yeah definitely you take take that time to revitalize and and Particularly with the news of Ben's father, particularly, you know, our hearts go out to him and his family. But I think that's so so important as well to have that time off to almost have a break from the game. As you say, it is great to work on your your mentality for the game, but also it's important to acknowledge that, you know, whilst your life is is cricket, a lot of the time it's important to switch off and remember that, that there are also more important things going on for sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, I think, yeah, like you said, with Stokes' father, that's that's a massive part of that. It makes you step back and realise, oh, geez, what we're doing at the moment isn't, isn't the be all and end or it's what we love and we do. But yeah, it makes you, does make you realise bigger things uh, are going on. Most definitely. For yourself, as you, you just said, and as everyone knows, you, you had your, op- your operation on your shoulder about four months ago, am I right? Yeah, about four months now. And, you know, shoulders are notoriously difficult things to you know rehabilitate how has that recovery been and how's that journey been i imagine you spent a lot of time in the gym working on strength and conditioning and just getting back full movement and strength right yeah pretty much i i did it 
last year as well at the start mm. of last summer and had a keyhole surgery so they reattached what they call the labrum and that was about three months pretty smooth got back playing a couple of weeks earlier than i thought and then about a year later obviously basically did the same injury so uh, i could have had the same off i could have left it which probably wouldn't have been the right idea but they basically cut a bit of bone moved it to the front of my shoulder and have told me now they will be stronger than my right so i've got to trust that firstly um but yeah the last the last four months have been they've been long they've been pretty pretty tough at times to be honest when it's just just you in the gym all for four especially in covid there's not it's obviously a nice way to get out the the house for a bit but there's there's not other people really at the gym there's not really much to go and do after so you sort of spend three or four hours in every morning just doing pretty tedious work a lot of the time um so it can be quite quite repetitive um but yeah that's basically i've been trying to stay fit keep the shoulder keep the shoulder well and um just trying to build up that strength and range something that i know that i've talked about with uh, like a few other people not necessarily in the cricket world but just in generally in in uh, sport it's very difficult seeing your teammates and players who are then also your friends who are still training and you're not able to how do you cope and manage with that because that must be incredibly frustrating despite knowing that you can't actually do anything about the physical playing part of it apart from trying to rehabilitate how difficult is that for you mentally yeah, I, th- I found it tougher probably first time around because the boy it was middle of the season. The boys were playing, and I just I was eager. You wanted to get, I wanted to get back into the England side. I wanted to be scoring runs for Surrey. Um, so that was frustrating. And then, I guess I was lucky in the time that I did it because the majority the boys it was their month off in October. And then, I guess it was when when we started training probably a month or so ago, and I was just at the Oval, and then went up to Loughborough, and all the boys had been training for three weeks. You're like, oh, geez, they're all they're all getting better and better in their game, their cricket, their batting, and I'm just stuck here just trying to lift a four kg dumbbell or something like that. So it's pretty, it's frustrating, but you've got to realise it's like, it's a bit like riding a bike, batting. You're not going to lose it. You just need to sort of work that bit extra harder when when you can be back. But it is frustrating seeing them sort of better their game and being being sort of working hard while you're, you're just trying to trying to get some strength in your shoulder. So, I know I know that it must be really, really difficult as well because, you know, it's not an us and them situation returning from injury. But, you know, I know when I spoke to Danny Cipriani, for example, he spent a lot of time in the gym on his own, but then he sees, you know, people out on, on the training pitch and you're kind of slightly isolated. Of course, you've got that support network of the physios and your team behind you um, trying to get you back from injury, but it's quite isolating as well, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think what I found with Surrey was I hadn't, hadn't obviously being at the club, I'd been playing for England in the summer, so I hadn't played for Surrey at all. And um, you sort of, I feel like I'm a real club man, but when you are doing that rehab while everyone's playing and out there, you're watching the guys play in your position and do well, which is great to see, but you just sort of detaches you a little bit from the team which can, can be quite tough but it's um it's just everyone deals with it in a different ways some people where they're injured like to completely get away from it focus on their injury and that's it others like to watch watch a load of cricket and sort of keep keep their cricket brain switched on and their team mind switched on as well so everyone's got their their own different ways yeah it's difficult as well as you say there seeing 
somebody take your place and then also succeeding in that position of course they're probably your mate and you're friends with them and you want to see them succeed but there's probably at the back of your mind you're thinking i need to get back in this team here i need to just obviously focus on your own game because you can't you can't change how somebody else plays but uh, that must be kind of not, not i don't know how would how would you describe that sort of emotion it's kind of one that you don't really want to have but it probably mm. does just subconsciously creep in yeah, I think as as a kid, it's always probably what. Well, it's probably one of my biggest downfalls. I'm talking age group cricket because you used to want to play and you used to be you wanted to be player of the season, get the most runs and all this, and get really competitive with your teammates. But I think now, being in a professional sport environment, you realise that these guys are your mates. They're 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 amazing. There's a lot of amazing players out there, and you've got to really enjoy other people's success because, especially in cricket, there's as many bad days as there is good days. So it's frustrating, and those thoughts will creep in, and you might think, "Jesus, might be taking my spot here," but there's nothing. There's nothing you can do about it. There's no point in. You can only control the controllables in my mind. So I used to worry about selection too much and, and that kind of thing. But now, as long as I know I'm playing well that's, and training as hard as I can and being a good team bloke, then that's all you can do. Because if, you, if you're worrying too much about what your, your teammates are doing uh, or, you, or your opponents, if you're trying to sort of be better than them, then it's just an extra added pressure. You just got just to try and do whatever you can. Yeah, I think it's an interesting approach because a lot of people will just let that anxiety and worry like overtake their their thoughts and actually control the controllables. That's a really, really, uh, really good saying, actually. I'm interested to talk about the international setup slightly because I, I have knowledge from a good source that you're not the greatest of chefs. Um, yeah, yeah. that you may not be the best cook in the world. Uh, and I, <laughs> I would li- like you to confirm or deny this, but I'm, I'm pretty sure your nutritionist might be uh, supplying your food when you were back in your rehab stages. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah. Um, I, I, I'm a useless cook. In the summer, I tried it. Um, tried some Mindful <laughs> Chef, um, so they're sending me. But even that, that was, too, that was too hard. And living on your own as well, it made things pretty tough. So the nutritionist um, sourced a, a, it's not fast food. It's basically ready meals, very healthy ready meals. Um, mm. And they're, they're good. And I thought that was going to plan until I ate some chicken that was accidentally five days off. Um, oh, no. So I even managed to I even managed to ruin that. So I'm best just sorting out delivery and getting out there. <laughs> it's just, it's my safest bet at the minute. Well, yeah, if they're looking for sponsorship. <laughs> Um, but let's let's leave injuries uh, aside now and it's incredibly exciting because over uh, sorry just at the end of 2020 i mean you must be delighted now to have that england contract like in the locker signed on the dotted line uh, and that guarantees your international cricket which is fantastic and it's exciting to see uh, hopefully you out in the middle uh, this year and and beyond would you say that the test team's in a, a bit of a transitional phase now? Because there's a few younger players taking central contracts. Um, where, where would you um, stand on that? Mm, I think it very much felt like that last, just just before this time last year, when we went to New Zealand, um, I managed to get myself back in the side. We had Zach Crawley on the trip. We had Dom Bess on the trip. Uh, Dom Sibley's first trip as well. Um, and obviously Sam, Sam was in the side as well. So a lot of young lads in and around the squad. Um, and then we, we very much said uh, a lot of chats at the time and we very much said this is this is a young squad, we're pretty new together, we've got this vision of how we want to play, we think we've got the right players for it and and we sort of noted down that because of the nature of our squad there's going to be tough days, there's going to be days where we don't get things quite right but we're 
we we're going to be given the backing that and they've to be honest, I've stuck by that word as well, which has been great for this last this last year and a bit or so. Um, and I think that's probably when it felt like the transitional phase started. And obviously they relied on Sibley, Crawley and myself and Don Best to go out and put those performances in. Obviously, I think Sam was already on a cost central contract before then, so but he's included and they, they needed us to go put in those performances to to allow us to get those those contracts and to be to be awarded them is a great sort of pat on the back and great bit of trust um, for us because yeah, like you said, we, we played for a year and a bit in that transitional phase and we've been rewarded and, and obviously we've got a big big 12 and a bit months we've got four tests in India after this five at home against India into an Ashes series so to feel to know that we've got those contracts is is nice to sort of not feel like you've got to look over your shoulder obviously international cricket you've got to rely on putting performances in each game but you there's a little bit less looking over your shoulder I guess the whole time um which is which is a good thing which probably works for all camps really yeah, I think probably before that contract came in, there was probably a little bit more of the uh, over-the-shoulder looking. But now at least you can probably have that guaranteed, as you say, these next 12 months with a lot of cricket and a lot of games to look forward to. And actually, you can probably just focus on that without the worry of without the worry of the contracts and where, where you are in the team, because at least you know you're going to be in the squad. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So let's just rewind a little bit, though, because, you know, to get to international cricket, you've got to start somewhere. Uh, and before you arrived, even on the domestic scene, you, you went to uh, Cranley School. Uh, and I remember, I remember playing cricket against Cranley. Has cricket always been in the veins for you? What's your earliest cricket memory? Um, I, cricket, earliest cricket memory, I remember probably seven, six, seven years old, just playing with the old man in the front garden. And yeah, it's always been, I've always loved it, uh, but I've loved every sport really. Um, I, tried to, I tried to play every sport I can and try to do as well as I can um, in every sport I play. Yeah, there's, no, there's not a lot else that goes on there. I've just sports been my real strength in, in my in my life. There's not many other talents to it. This series is brought to you by two magnificent sponsors, Ascot Group and McGill and Partners. Ascot Group is a global speciality insurance and reinsurance group with a record of underwriting excellence and superior claims service. Founded in 2001, the company provides a broad range of property and casualty solutions to customers worldwide through its platforms in London, Bermuda and the United States. Ascot is a long-standing supporter of charities with a link to sport, including ongoing sponsorship of the Great Britain Wheelchair Rugby Club. With a recent increase in mental health awareness, the company is particularly proud to support Headstrong Season 5 and Innings With, which focuses on the psychological well-being challenges that arise from professional sports. McGill & Partners is a boutique insurance broker, helping corporate clients find specialist solutions for their most challenging and complex risks. Growing rapidly since its launch in 2019, the company operates in the UK, Europe and the United States and prides itself on working with some of the biggest companies in the world. And you can find out more on their website, mcgillpartners.com. McGill and Partners understands high performance and the mental health challenges that can be associated with it, regardless of the industry people are working in. The company is fully committed to their employees' well-being and are delighted to be sponsoring the Headstrong podcast series. It is also delighted to support the Ruth Strauss Foundation. Thank you to these two wonderful sponsors. So that's interesting. So 
did you uh, juggle your cricket and academic life well at school or were you pretty set on a career in sport, uh, having been in some of that youth domestic setups growing up? Uh, I juggled it pretty well, um, but not not by choice of my own, I don't think. Um, I think my housemaster takes a lot of control and uh, the head of cricket at Cranley. And I think looking back, they got the, the perfect situation, really. I, I'd see a few of the guys doing a bit more training, but they let me out sort of twice a week to go train with Surrey. But at the same time, at that, at that time, I, I wasn't anything special on the cricket field. I was good, but I wasn't like... I wasn't nailed on to be to be a professional at all. Um, so I think I was in my mind. I was always sort of thinking that you never know. I might not. I, in my mind, I once I would have gone to uni if I didn't sign a contract after school. Um, well, I tried to go to uni. Um, so definitely, I didn't brush it aside. Uh, but yeah, my, my housemaster and cricket head of cricket apparently definitely kept kept on top of me to make sure I was getting enough getting enough work done as well. Are you still in touch with him? Yeah, yeah, um, um, more so probably the the cricket coach. He he's had um, he was obviously massive for me as my coach for uh, however long, probably five or six years, pretty much. Um, and he's a good lad as well. But he's uh, so yeah, he's someone I'd always go back and have a have a beer or a coffee with at some point. Absolutely. I mean, there are very, very few people, I would say, who are lucky enough to take that school hobby, essentially, and turn it into an immensely successful career. So playing cricket must be a dream come true. But you just said that you um, considered university. What was it that you applied for then? I think uh, sports management, I think uh, I was going to go for. I, I, I didn't really think too much about it. It was very much, right, try and try and get some half-decent grades. And <laughs> if if after a year out of school I don't have a contract, then I'll probably look to go to uni. So it, it wasn't set in stone, but I didn't really. It was sort of just something for me to put down in case, in case it happened. So were there any other career options then? So coming out of uni, I mean, obviously, I know that you were playing, playing cricket immensely. Did you ever have any thoughts on? like oh god what what could i do were there any uh wacky uh, thoughts no to be honest not really i think my if you call it wacky going out somewhere like Safka. i think i remember as a kid and all and just working on like a safari or something because i just mm. love animals so i thought that that would have always been quite a cool job um but obviously it's never i never really uh followed that <laughs> yeah you've taught you might tour South africa but you won't be working on a safari yeah yeah exactly (laughs) uh you had an immensely impressive start when you arrived on 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 the scene once you were permanently in and 2018 the season itself uh, which you must reflect on with immense pride um take you know sorry taking the championship but you received the young player of the year as well it's important to say that cricket is of course a team sport um but one where individuals have to have to shine because you know, they, they obviously is essential. How do you feel about being rewarded for your own individual efforts on on reflection in a team sport? Is it sometimes awkward um, in terms of being rewarded for that, considering it is a team sport, or do you actually um, acknowledge you know that pride and realise you're doing it for the team? Oh, I think it's a mixture of the two. I wouldn't say awkward at all because it's always. Your, your teammates always seem more happy for you when you win anything, but it's cricket. Like it's obviously it's a team sport, but it's so individually based as well. It's you rely on people to go out and have a brilliant day and score a hundred, and then you rely on your teammate doing it the other day and scoring scoring a fifty or something. So you you rely on 
bits of individual brilliance to to sort of change a day and obviously you saw it with I mean the world saw it with Ben Stokes and that day in the ashes and in the world cup and things like that so you, you do rely on people just every now and again having a ridiculous day but it's great to be to try and put that in consistently over sort of a period of time is a great feeling so when we did win that title I saw one player of the season the year after the year that I did my shoulder um, and we came I think second or third from bottom. We didn't win any, didn't get near any trophies. And I was just like, I don't, I don't really want this trophy. Well, I don't not want it, but I don't feel like, yeah. just, what's the point in giving out this trophy? I don't, I don't really feel like it's worth it. So when, when it, when you get it in a situation like that, um, it's a bit like, it feels a bit token, but in a, when it's in a winning, winning side and when we win a trophy that year, it's a nice sort of extra bonus. But I think the, the best thing about those are just when, when you do win a big trophy as a team, there's nothing like it. The feeling after that season, because it's such a tough, long season in the championship that it was, a, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, it's a real grind, isn't it? So, but I, again, it's, it's nice. And that, that particular season, it was nice to have been rewarded for the team success and your own personal success. Let's have a look at this kind of one-on-one aspect on a cricket pitch. Because as we say, of course, it is a team sport, but it is entirely one-on-one. It's bowler v batsman and then uh, everyone else supports each other. What techniques do you use yourself to win that mental battle against the bowler? It's a, it's a good one. I'm still try, struggling to try and find out exactly what works for me. Um, I think different days work differently. So obviously you can cricket, like, say sledging, you can um, you can have a lot of uh, a verbal sort of a lot of communications with the bowler. They might be giving you a bit of stick. You can either go back at them or I personally, in general, try and stay in my bubble. If they try to stay down, you can just look at them back until because they have to turn around and walk to the end just to let them know sort of you're up for it. Um, but I try, I try and stay in my bubble and try not to let, let, let anything other than the ball they're bowling, the ball they're releasing, any other emotions get into it. Because if you, if they get into your head, you might, you might try and think, Oh, I need to whack this guy. And then you play a rubbish shot, you're out, they win. And especially as a batter, a lot of the time you get, well, pretty much all the time you're going to get out. Eventually you're going to lose. Eventually you can't really win. But as a bowler, they can all they they never really obviously they do lose but they eventually you're going to get out and they can give you the some stick when you get out so I, I always try and not get too involved in a verbal battle um because I don't feel like I need to if they if if you get if I get a bit of stick then I almost feel that helps make me switch on that bit extra because I think oh, I can't let this guy get me out now so if anything I use that as a positive yeah, definitely. I think it's it's interesting seeing uh, d- different types of people who thrive off their kind of the verbal battle with with the bowler. And the, the one, my favourite video, and I know that you'll have seen it a number of times with Jimmy and Mitchell Johnson, and that is just yeah. the, the funniest thing. Even though you yeah, know, they were, he wasn't even facing him, and I just think it's just brilliant. Um, yeah, that, that's exactly what I mean. Though. Even I know Jimmy uh, uh, Johnson wasn't facing there, but you can't you can't win as a batter. Jimmy might have not taken a wicket for ages, then he gets one, and then that's just completely shut the batter up. You can't say, so, yeah, you, can you can't be like that, yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, for a short period of time as well, you were kind of transitioning between the England setup, the England Lions, and Surrey. And that's kind of three teams that you're going in and out of with various different people, various different coaches. And I imagine 
that would be quite tricky. Was it difficult balancing uh, this kind of being on the fringes of the the England team, then going back to domestic cricket, and then being in the Lions? What was that challenge like? Um, first, I think it made me enjoy playing for Surrey a little bit more because I I felt like there wasn't as much obviously international cricket. You're being analysed the whole time. If things go bad, you get a load of stick, and it just almost took the pressure of playing at Surrey a little bit. Obviously, it's very important um, to to the club and for me as well. But took the pressure off a little bit and allowed me just to enjoy my cricket a bit more. Um, I think working with the different. So it's an interesting one um, because everyone's got their different ideas, especially being a young guy, probably in a team with generally a lot older players, um, or at the time at least, is everyone wants to have their, their say and their input. So you've got to try and listen to, try and work out what's right for you and what's wrong because they might say, oh, you should do this with your back lift and then a different coach would say differently. So it's trying to just, yeah, work out who who you trust, who works best for you and 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 if you want to listen to these specific coaches and that's up to you. So that's, um, that's another challenge in itself. Um, but it's great learning as well that I feel like now I've been around the England side long enough that I can take what I've learned from international cricket into Surrey cricket as well. So I can, I can now help the, the younger guys on the side and even the team as a whole. If, if there's anything we do differently as an England side um, that I think we should bring into the Surrey team as well, then I think that's, that's probably a benefit of, of the whole thing. Yeah, definitely. I think that's, that's really important as well, and particularly because I wanted to talk to you about the England line setup and how important that is probably for younger players looking to break into the, the main England team. But how does the Lions setup differ from the, the main, main team? Um, I, I haven't spent a massive amount. I've only done, I think I've only done one. Oh, I've done two tours with the Lions yeah. away. Um, and I think it, what they've done well over the last few years is they've they've tried to make it as similar to the England side of the can. They've got England coach, Andy Flowers gone, the ex-England coach. Graham Thorpe was the head coach of my first one, obviously England's batting coach. Um, so those guys try and create an international environment to get used to where, so when it is, when you do make that step up, you, you're not just like, oh, you're doing this differently, you're doing this differently. Um, so I think that, that England lines is... From what I've heard over the years, I've got a lot better at just making it a bit more specific, not necessarily just boot camps and getting fit, but actually just going out there and performing, um, which is a good thing to have. And every now and again, when I made my debut, we had Alistair Cook was playing, uh, Chris Wokes was playing. So just beginning to rub shoulders as a young lad before you make your England debut is really good with those sort of the big dogs as well. It gets you used to it all. I was going to say, it sounds, uh, sounds like it's far more inclusive now, which is probably really important to settle some of the younger's nerves. And that's what I wanted to talk about because you arrived uh, and you were only 20 and you were probably, I have no doubt, surrounded by some of your cricketing heroes having watched them growing up. That first time then, I suppose it sounds like you kind of were settled having played with Wokes and, and Cookie and, what, and, and the like. But did you find it intimidating that first, your, on your debut or did you just want your, your cricket to do the talking? Because I know it's difficult to battle out your own, your own mindset and think, you know, it's, it's difficult to take yourself out the situation and realise that you're, oh, you're now playing international cricket with some of the people that I've been watching for 10 years. Yeah, I think the whole week I was at Lords again, obviously the home of cricket, packed crowd against India, number one side in the world at the time. Um, so it, it felt very, all very surreal. Um, and then Sam Curran was playing as well, which was which was quite nice actually. Because and I remember that was a good moment at the end. He, I think it was his third game. Um, 
and I think we we smashed them in the test, which was great. Um, but we were, I was stood at deep square leg, he was stood at fine leg, and we were about to win the game by by a good margin. And we just sort of looked around and we said, and we we're like, this is this is pretty cool, isn't it? Jimmy Anderson was bowling both of our sort of one of our heroes when we were younger. Watched him for as long as I can remember. Um, so it was it felt very surreal, even just walking into a change room with those guys, and then. Post game as well. Um, uh, the, the one of the great, one of my favourite memories is they we all walked back to the hotel and sort of Cook had a beer in his hand in his whites and next to Root and then I was just there as well. So it was quite it was quite cool um, and pretty surreal after the game as well. But yeah, it, it felt like a bit of a whirlwind that week and I was very much trying to enjoy everything that came with the debut, um, but enjoy playing at Lords for the f- uh, well for the first time for England. Um, but obviously did create a few more nerves as well. I felt like every camera on the training days were on you and big medias, media sessions and things like that. So it was trying to sort of take that all in. But then as soon as you're on the pitch, that that sort of looks after itself. That that stuff doesn't matter, which I did feel as well. So that was good. It's a kind of, that's a real pinch yourself moment that walking back after winning at Lords. That's, that is yeah. something that you'll take, you'll cherish forever, I imagine. Uh, yeah, I'm curious, curious as well to kind of I, I wonder whether it might be slightly after your time now I must exist but probably not in the capacity that it did because team bonding used to be quite a massive thing maybe more so in the the days of maybe Flintoff where the, the the alcohol might have been more important than the bonding um but what you know is there anything specific to the international setup and team bonding now because I know that there might be some you know more more structured approach to it uh to be honest there not really um we've got a few sort of, we sit down and we talk through the policies that we all sort of stick by. Um, and often at the start of the tour, if, if we, if we went to New Zealand, for example, last winter, we, we had a night where we all had some beers and the fact, because of, we had quite a while to the first training session, help the jet bag and that kind of thing. So small things like that are good. Um, but I think in cricket, it's slightly different because you spend so much time together. You spend, we go, we're away now for two and a half months altogether. So there's, there's not a specific thing that um, is required. Obviously, you, you, the older guys look out for the, the young lads and sort of help them and if they need a bit of a word or an arm around the shoulder just to chat, chat through something, then they will. Um, but there's not a specific, anything specific that we do. I've seen like some football clubs, the yeah. young lad has to stand and dance on the table or sing and things like that. But there's nothing like that specifically that we do. But think it's just spending as much time as we do with each other it becomes pretty natural and it's pretty great to spend some time uh, in the team with some of your great mates as you say we're talking about sam Curran being there uh, and we've we i've been lucky enough to talk to him as well and being in these biosecure bubbles as well it's even more so that you're spending more time with them so what is it that you do to unwind and maybe detach uh we've um played a lot of cod a lot of Warzone. um <laughs> My especially even in these last two and a half days, my hours have been seriously high. And in the summer, is the same. When you're in the bubble, it's uh, it takes up a lot of time. And I'll probably play after this in this evening <laughs> as well. Um, so, but it makes it a bit tougher when you're in a bubble. Um, 
but normal normal times we'll we'll go out and get coffee afternoon i think it last it was quite nice last summer because because we physically couldn't leave the cricket ground itself so um i brought my coffee machine chris wokes in his so we almost we set up these sort of coffee afternoons and made some made some nice coffees for the lads and just chilled and put a fee up and things like that um because it, there's limited things you can do at least here we can use a swimming pool and i think there's a little beach there i can see one hopefully we can use it um so that that would be nice to do those things and get out and about but coffee coffee afternoons in in war zone and a lot of the lads play quite a bit of cards as well in, in the evenings just to sort of unwind and, and chill i've got to ask then who's got the worst coffee order in the team oh it's a tough one because we've we only really we only really make them so i can oh, you think, all, get you what you give <laughs> Get yeah exactly they're good they're good machines though sage sage express they create create some good lattes with them so the, la- <laughs> the lads are happy with that oh that's great that sounds really nice actually and it sounds like it's a real community within the team um let's have a look uh at maybe exploring some like this sort of kind of it's important to have that skill set in in any kind of team but ultimately it boils down to in test cricket it's all about the mentality and you know it's you know the, it's often said that you know the mentality is more important than the skills. Um, what what's kind of your? How do you stay in the game? How do you stay so focused? Because sometimes you might end up having to be out there on on uh, out there for two, you know two days batting. How, how do you stay focused? What's your approach to the focus? Well, if, firstly, if you do stay out there for two days, you've had a, you've had a great game and yeah, that's catching in looks after yourself, yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I find from a purely batting batting specific while you're out there in the middle, I find switching off and switching on quite a good thing for me to do. Um, so I'll be batting um, after I face the ball, I'll step step to the side of the wicket and I'll try and if there's nothing, if I'm sort of into my innings a little bit and I've worked out what the bowler is trying to do and how he's trying to get me out, I might try and just sort of switch off and look at something outside the ground if there's a mountain there or if there's a big high-rise building or if not pick something in the crowd to look at and just sort of just try and switch off for that even if it's 10 seconds um just to allow my mind just to sort of take a relax and just so i'm not getting any too many preconceived ideas into my head like what's the bowler going to bowl next ball what's he trying to do so it's trying to find the right balance um between the two but I find sort of switching off switching on and then so once I've switched off I step back onto the crease I sort of I scratch my guard and I'm like right I'm back I'm back in and I've got to focus for this this 10 seconds then I get 30 seconds off in a way um and I think that's that's quite helpful with trying to sort of allow me to switch off off, off the pitch as well because especially when things don't go your way in cricket and you're away for two and a half months, there can be some pretty tough times out there. Um, so it's trying to find a way just to stop thinking about it. So my, it's, it's almost going, you can think about batting for two days and then you might get out second ball. So it's trying to think that, right, I'm thinking about this now. That's absolutely fine. It's not going to affect what I do. And that, that split, split sort of, 30 seconds so all that matters is when I'm out at the crease in that 20 seconds I can think about whatever now but that's going to be irrelevant to, to the outcome and as long as I'm purely focused in that that 20 seconds then I found that quite a useful method to to sort of go by as well because just to sort of help my mind ease a little bit. It sounds like a really healthy healthy approach you must also have extreme mental resilience maybe madness to play uh, and field at short leg 
I mean, I couldn't think of possibly anything worse than putting myself down there. But you're, you've now found yourself at the top of the game playing there. How did you? How on earth did you find yourself there? Like, when did you? Can you remember your first time playing at Shortleg? Uh, yeah, not really. Um, you get stick, you get stuck in as a youngster as long as you move well and you, you're a good fielder. Um, so I, I did it a little bit for Surrey, managed to get out for Surrey, get into the gully. Um, and then on my debut, did it, caught Co- got a catch off Coley there, then didn't play for a few years, hoped I'd sort of go under the radar, but now straight, <laughs> straight back in. And as soon as you get it's a confidence thing in there. I mean, I, I've been fortunate enough so far that I haven't take, taken any big hits yet. Mm. Um, but as soon as I do, that might even, knowing that you're standing a metre away from a guy who's trying to whack the ball as hard as he can, it's just a bit like, is this worth it, lads? But it's just, yeah, I'm, I'm, I see myself fairly agile and, and a good fielder, so I think I've just been stuck with it for a little bit. And while I'm in there, I'll try to do everything I can to take those catches, but it's, I can't, can't say I enjoy it that much in there. I've got to say, it must have you must have get an extra adrenaline boost under there, though, under the helmet, correct? Yeah, you've got it. And if you're not, if you're not sort of fired up for it, it's just not a nice place to be. So yeah, you've got to be as you, as I say, you've got to be in a you've got to have a good mindset, definitely, to be under there. Because if you if you have had a bad day on the pitch and then you've got to go out there and sit under the helmet, that's not probably not the place to be. But no, exactly. You know, as as we were saying, everyone has bad days on the cricket field, and often probably more so bad days than good days but everyone remembers the good days rather than the bad days who in that england dressing room do you kind of look up to the most and maybe seek advice and help from when things are getting tough uh i think all the other batters i think we test bat, batting in test cricket i mean bowling as well of course is probably more so in the body though um and then batting on the mind when things don't go your way through tough phases whether you're whether you're Joe Root you're Ben Stokes or you're a young lad just coming in everyone's gonna gonna go through tough phases and bad form and go through good form as well so I, I like speaking to Joe Root about it Joss Butler about it I think that well I spoke to Joss quite recently he's got a great mindset with things I think like I spoke about you can have all these negative thoughts but it's about and he goes by that a little bit as well um so everyone's been the coaches have been through it Graham Thorpe he's good to chat to so it's just anyone anyone really is great to speak to because yeah, everyone's everyone's had those highs and those lows and you can really empathise when someone is going through a low um, but really enjoy their success as well so Joe Root I think is great to chat to he's one of the he's one of the best in the world so he's um, and he just loves batting as well so he he's probably probably the go-to him and Joss Butler yeah, he's certainly got that paternal figure and instinct in the dressing room, from what I can see, uh, which yeah, is great. Exactly. Um, just before, as we are unwind, it's great to have that kind of support, and and, and we're incredibly incredibly proud on on Headstrong this season for the cricket season to be supporting the Ruth Strauss Foundation, and I know how important that is in in the England dressing room and further beyond. So that's really really great, and I know that um, that the team do rally around uh, Straussy and the charity, which is really really. Um, positive and immensely uh, challenging as well, particularly as we go into another lockdown here in the UK. So anyone who's listening, uh, please try and reach out in any way possible uh, to help support the foundation, uh, whether you are a cricket fan or not, um, because of course the foundation is not, you know, stuck and firmly in cricket. It's a, it's a foundation that supports everyone from all walks of life. And that's really important. 
Uh, so I know that you'll you'll completely agree with uh, the, the work that they do as well. Uh, how how exciting is it going? Do, have you played in any of the uh, the Red Hat days, the Red days? Yeah, I have actually. Roof? Yeah, played. Um, yeah, we played against West Indies. I think yeah. one of the days was. Um, so you obviously, all go out in the red caps, watch a few pretty emotional videos actually as well. Mm. And like like we said with with Stokes' dad, it makes you realise that just before you're about to go play cricket, you're like, geez, that's um, that's tough to, to tough to see. But obviously, it's it's an amazing foundation. It's it's great to support it but it makes you realize that geez it's not all about cricket here as well um, and I think the guys obviously the older guys who would have played with with Strauss as well probably get a little bit more sort of touched by it as well having known her um, but yeah I played in the one against West Indies unfortunately there was obviously no crowd in so we couldn't really see all the red around the ground um, but no, it, was a, it was a good day to be involved in. I have to say that I mean it must still be incredibly powerful without a crowd and let's hope that this might be the year where we can get some crowds back in uh, into some grounds that'd be really exciting because I know I certainly miss some live cricket I know Sky delivers pretty well but <laughs> do, could do with some live action um, yeah. I asked this question to everybody uh, Ollie and it's the, my, the final question of the podcast what does headstrong mean to you? Uh, I think it's just resilience and I think it's a way of just trying to trying to deal I'd use it more more dealing with the bad times especially with, with cricket and trying to find find the strength within yourself when things don't go your way to stick at it um and i, I think crickets obviously use that in life um and i think crickets a real good way of a real good way of sort of training that and learning that that things aren't going to go your way the whole time um as a as a batter you say things you have as many bad days as you do good days it's dealing with those bad days and learning from them and trying to take that take whether you take that into life or just your next innings and and sort of coming back from that. And uh, I think that's probably my, my best example of that. I think that's very insightful. Uh, Ollie, thank you so much. I'm wishing you all the best on your recovery. Um, and fingers crossed, we will see some big, big hits out in, uh, in India and then back on home soil. Uh, and then onwards uh, for the year, basically. And here's to the, uh, all the England success and, and you a speedy recovery. So thank you so much. No worries. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you. We are supporting the Ruth Strauss Foundation with Headstrong and Innings With. Sir Andrew Strauss lost his wife to non-smoking lung cancer in 2018. Just before her death, Ruth and Andrew discussed the idea of setting up a foundation to help other families who would be facing a similar ordeal. The Ruth Strauss Foundation wants to ensure that all families with dependent children facing the death of a parent are offered emotional support and guidance to prepare for the future, allowing them to make the most of their time together. In tandem, they are driving the need for more research and collaboration in the fight against non-smoking lung cancers, which are on the rise and to which Ruth ultimately lost her life. You can support their cause by making a donation today. To donate, text RSF10 to 70191 to donate £10. Or you can donate online at virginmoneygiving.com forward slash fund forward slash headstrong forward slash RSF. Thank you for all your support of Headstrong and the Ruth Strauss Foundation. Thank you very, very much to Ollie for joining me on this episode of Headstrong. That is it for this episode, in fact. 
If you did enjoy it, feel free to tell your friends or your family or indeed send it off to all of your cricket friends as well. If you have also enjoyed this episode, please do hit subscribe, leave a rating and try and leave a review as well. Every little helps and I really appreciate every single person that listens to this podcast. Finally, join me next week for my final episode of Headstrong with the England legend Sir Andrew Strauss, the absolute servant to English cricket. See you next week. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.